church, if you could go ahead and turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to finish up, kind of wrap up this week's, uh, this summer series that we've been going through that we've called When You Pray. And the idea behind it is that as the Lord began to teach on the Sermon on the Mount, as he began to get into this section that we call the Lord's Prayer, or as Brother Gary mentioned last week, we call sometimes the Disciples' Prayer, uh, because he's teaching us, maybe not necessarily to say these exact words, even though there's nothing wrong with if this is what we pray, and this is what we communicate, these very words that he's laid out for us, that he's giving us this structure of how we pray. You know, in the first week, we established who we are praying to and why we pray to him, that he is a Father in heaven, that he is our not only our creator and our maker, but he is our father, that he is leaning into the life where we are. He's leaning into the space where we're at. And he's showing us that he's hearing us, that he's uh, making uh, known our requests, that he's beginning to step into the spaces where we are. You know, even thinking back to Exodus and how he heard the cries of his people and he leaned in and he brought them out of slavery, that he provided for them, that he did all these things for him because he is a, not only a creator and a maker of all things, but he is our heavenly father in heaven. And so the next week we talked about what it meant to invite his kingdom system into our life, into our world, that we want his perspective, we want his influence, we want those things in our life. And embracing, embracing his desire to provide, you know, understanding what it means to need daily, to depend on him daily. And then, You know, last week we talked about what it means to ask for forgiveness. I love how really this whole, uh, this whole section, this whole prayer really starts from the top down, from the air down to the ground as it talks about God, the almighty God, the big God that we serve. And then it gets more and more and more intimate with us. It gets more and more focused on, the, 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 on who we are and, and our provision and how we act. Last week we talked about asking for forgiveness and in the same way offering forgiveness back to those in the same way that God has forgiven us. The Bible Bible says that if we would not forgive our brothers and sisters the way the Lord has forgiven us, that the love of the Father is not in us. And so he's brought us to this idea to be forgiving, and he calls us to live in that way. And so remember, we've been talking about kind of the, the, the focus or the theme throughout this, this prayer, or as we seek God, or as we seek the Lord, is that our view of God determines our worship of God, and so that we would kind of bring into view who God is and what God does for us and how he provides for us in the midst of all of these ways that we pray to him. And a lot of ways, Martin Luther would say it, he would look at it as this prayer is filled with petitions. And after we acknowledge a holy God, it begins to lay out petitions that we make to this holy God. And this morning, we're going to focus in on the last section, and we'll see it as we read this whole section together again. So if you could, read with me in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9 down to verse 13. He says, Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, I just ask you to speak to us through this text. God, let us know what it means to acknowledge our temptation. God, that we would be praying for rescue and deliverance from the evil, the enemy that attacks us. 
Lord, that wages war for our souls, for our attention, for our worship, God. Let us see that this morning, God. Let us lay ourselves in our desires and our pride before you this morning. God, challenge us in everything that you have for us. Lord, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the thing, the first thing that we have to understand, church, is that as believers, we have already been delivered. That if you have put your faith in Jesus, that we have already been delivered from the power, from the effects of the enemy or the effects of sin in our life. You know, but we also understand that because we have been delivered from the effects of sin or the weight of sin in our lives, we have not been totally delivered by the influence or the effects of, of sin on our day to day. You know, we've, we've been delivered from the effects of our uh, sin on our eternal life, but, but there are still, you know, we've talked about this before, we'll mention it a little bit, is that there's always in our life as we navigate this world, there's this already but not yet, that God has already delivered us, that eternally as a believer we are sealed for eternity in the saving work of Jesus on the cross. And so we have been delivered from the, from the weight and the penalty of sin. We have been delivered and rescued from that. But there is a not yet that as we live in this sinful world, that we are affected by sin, that, that sin uh, comes into our lives, it comes into our hearts, it comes to our, into our minds to draw us away, to affect us, to, to, to do something to us. John chapter 17, verse 15, Jesus will say, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. So Jesus is talking about his disciples, and he says he's understanding there's this already that's been done, but there's a not yet, that there's still deliverance that happens in our day-to-day, that there's still this work that is done to draw us away from sin, to draw us away from the, the, the selfishness and sinfulness that we step into or that we're drawn to day to day. Uh, Colossians 1.13, Paul would recognize this and kind of acknowledge this idea of already but not yet. He says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the king, uh, to the kingdom of his beloved son. And so that's the already, that's what's been done for a believer but, and then continuing on in 1 John 5, 19, says, when uh, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So the world we live in still lies in the power of the evil one. The prince of the power of the air that the Bible would call him in Ephesians is still having rule, is still having effects in this world. And then Luke twenty two forty, Jesus would tell his disciples to pray this. He says, and when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. So listen, there is a deliverance that has already happened for us. If you have put your faith in Jesus, God has delivered us from the penalty of our sin. He has delivered us from the effects of the enemy in our lives. But there is a not yet that is still going on. And if we're honest with ourselves, every single day that we open our eyes and step out into the world, we engage temptation. We engage trials. We engage the enemy trying to press against us in a way that is meant to draw us away from God. You know, uh, and and I'm just going to read this straight from him, but John Piper said it so good when he's talking about this verse. He says it like this, that all experiences, all experiences we have in life are either tests or they're temptations. They're either tests or they're temptations. If they're tests, remember God tests us. He does not tempt us, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But in tests from God and from temptations from the enemy, there's two experiences we have. We either have, either have pleasure or pain. We either have pleasure or pain. In tests from God, those in pleasure, we consider God better. We consider God greater. We thank God for what he's given us. And in pain, when it's a test from God, when we acknowledge it as a test from God, in pain, we trust him. We depend on him. We believe in his promises that he's going to bring us through. 
But when it's a temptation from the enemy, when it's a temptation from, the, from Satan, when it's a temptation from the enemy, in pleasure, we idolize it. In that experience, in that temptation, during pleasure, we idolize it. We don't thank God for it, and we use and abuse it in a way that it was not meant to be done. And then in pain, we curse God. That in temptation, when we experience pain, we curse God rather than praise God and trust him. And so there's two things this morning that I think we can see and I hope that we can kind of learn and gather from this text to understand what uh, Jesus is trying to teach us. And the first thing that he wants us to understand, what it means to be led or being led. You know, and he says in that verse in Matthew 6, 13, he says, and lead us not into temptation. And so we have to acknowledge what is he leading us from? He's leading us from temptation. And so temptation is this drawing away or that we're being sucked into uh sin or we're being sucked into rebellion against God. You know, even in Proverbs, when it talks about sin or it talks about adultery or it talks about these things, a lot of times it talks about it as if a pit is being dug and then we fall into that pit. And a lot of times this is coming from our own leading or being driven by our own desires or being driven by what's within us or what's inside of us. And so temptation is a lot of things that sexual temptation is temptation towards anger, temptation toward laziness, temptation towards complacency, temptation towards gossip. You know, it's whatever brings us to uh, this point where in every temptation there's a decision that we make that we make a decision whether we're going to uh, give into this temptation or whether we're going to uh, pull back from this temptation and allow it to be a test rather than this thing from Satan that's drawing us away from the Lord you know when uh, C.S. Lewis said this best as he's acknowledging what he feels like is his recurrent temptation he uses this illustration he says that my recurrent temptation is this to go down to the sea neither to dive nor swim nor float but only dabble and splash careful not to get out of my depth holding on to the lifeline which connects me with my things temporal so he says in this illustration I think it's just such a beautiful illustration of the greatest temptation that we face in our life and and that's in respect to our relationship with the Lord he says I go down to the sea but only dabble in it I don't dive off in it I don't get into it I don't go too deep I don't allow it to take me out I hold on to the lifeline that keeps me comfortable I hold on to the lifeline of these temporal things and he says that is the greatest temptation that he faces and if we're honest with ourselves that is the greatest temptation that all of us face in our lives is that as the Lord is this mighty ocean he's this mighty body of water this eternal well that never runs dry that too often we only dabble in it that we don't allow ourselves to be submerged by it we don't allow ourselves to be washed over by it we don't allow the current of his love to draw us out away from our comforts away from our lifelines you know c.s lewis would also say that one of the greatest temptations is getting over wanting to be needed that this temptation of wanting to be needed or wanting to be uh, important or wanting to be valued or wanting to be somebody draws us away. It tempts us from the Lord and causes us to sin. It causes us to idolize. It causes us to envy. You know, and so as we see what we're being led from, we also acknowledge that prayer for leading begins with repentance. You know, and I think that's why last week's section and this week's section are so closely knit together. 
Because leading away begins with repentance. We will never repent if we aren't recognizing the seriousness of our sin. We'll never be led away from something if we don't think there's anything to be led away from. If we don't see the weight of our sin, if we don't see what it's doing to our lives, if we don't see what it's doing to our family's lives, if we don't see what it's doing to the influence of people around us, we'll never be led away from it because we'll never think there's anything to be led away from. We'll never acknowledge the seriousness of sin. We'll never acknowledge the weight that it has in our lives lives you know we only ask for forgiveness by understanding we have something to be forgiven for you know and this is what connects us to last week this is what draws us into that understanding you know we have to understand the weight of sin to truly embrace the weight of the gospel because if sin isn't weighty then what jesus did is for nothing we have to believe that. You know, there are Christian, so Christian churches that don't believe in the atonement of Christ, that don't believe that God died for our sin, that God, a holy, loving God would have never have, have, have needed a blood sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins, but a just, righteous God would. That evil has to be paid for. And we are thankful as believers, and we believe that Christ atoned, and we're going to talk about this next week, if the Lord willing, that Christ atoned for our sins, that he stood in the place for me that I deserve, that we deserve, and unless sin is weighty, then that means nothing. Then the gospel is nothing if Jesus didn't die for my sins. Because then, then what sacrifice is there? What love is really exemplified? I mean, he said that, that there's no greater love than giving your life for your brother. And so if, if, if Jesus himself says this and we step into this space, then we have to understand that sin is weighty, that sin destroys families, that sin destroys individuals, that rebellion against God destroys churches. And so not only does being led away require repentance, Understanding the weight. Remember that word repent means to turn away from or to turn around. It requires us to acknowledge that sin is weighty. It also requires willingness to follow. Following God and being led away from temptation requires a willingness to follow. This is where our responsibility comes into play. When we relinquish control and follow his leading willingly, we must acknowledge and asking God, and we have to understand this. You know, a lot of people get confused when we read, lead us not into temptation. We assume that there's a place at which God may lead us into temptation. But remember, the stepbrother of Jesus, or the half-brother of Jesus, in, uh, James, in James chapter 1, he tells us where temptation comes from, and he tells us that God's place or Jesus, the place of God in the midst of temptation in, in verse 13 and 14. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. God does not lead us into temptation. And so what is the acknowledgement here? Whenever Jesus would say, lead us not into temptation, what is he saying? He's saying, it's not that I'm afraid God's going to lead me into temptation, but I'm afraid within my own will, within my own power that I will lead myself into temptation. So God reveal to me a better way, reveal to me a path that does not lead to temptation. God lead me to a better path does not draw me to this place where I will sin, where I will fall short, where I will rebel against you. And so the end of that verse, he says that each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Temptation comes from within us. It comes from our desires to have things, to grasp the temporal, to grasp things that were never, or to use things that God has given us goodness, uh, good things that God has blessed us with, and to pervert those things or to use those things for our own gain rather than using those things for the glory of God or the good of other people around us. 
temptation is, is from our leading and Satan's deception. That's whenever we, we step out on our own and we fall to the lies of the enemy around us. You know, and, and, and the reality is, is that the forgiven pray this prayer because we trust God and distrust ourselves. Lead us not into temptation. It's because Jake does not trust himself. I have to pray this prayer daily, and maybe I don't physically pray this prayer daily, but I ask that the Lord would have this type of a prayer on my mind constantly. God, lead me not into temptation because I don't trust myself. Because you know what? If I'm left to myself, I will fail. Left to my own leading, I will find myself at a place of sin. A place where I have to make a decision, and in the midst of that decision, if I've been led into temptation and my own strength, I will fail because I'm too weak. The flesh is weak. And so this is where we take some responsibility. In Romans 7, 18, it says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. This is Paul, one of the greatest, you know, uh, uh, one of the greatest Jewish leaders in history and that would become one of the greatest Christian leaders in history. He says that I know what to do and I know what I should do, but I can't do it because I don't have the strength within me to carry it out on my own strength. He says, I need something outside of my flesh to draw me away from temptation. I need something outside of myself to bring me, to lead me away from this place of decision where I would choose rebellion against God. Because we don't have the strength to fight it on our own. We never, and, and you know, I don't know about you, and, and I hope that we can be very honest with ourselves this morning. But the thing is, is that we never truly know the strength of temptation until we try to fight it, Right? We never truly know how strong temptations are until we make a conscious effort to fight against it. You know, going back to C.S. Lewis this morning, he says, no man knows how bad he is till he has tried very hard to be good. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. After all, you find out the strength of the German army by fighting against it, not giving in. You find out the strength of a wind by trying to walk against it, not by lying down. Church, the reality is, is that for us, if we feel like, if we feel like, if, if surrender doesn't feel the struggle of the battle, you know, surrender doesn't feel the struggle of the battle. Let me say it like this. Surrender doesn't feel the struggle of the battle, but it feels the weight of slavery. If we're not feeling a struggle against our temptation, and this isn't meant that we have to feel guilty, we're just not dealing with anything in our life. I mean, each and every one of us, if we're honest, in some capacity, we're experiencing some kind of draw towards uh, sinful things, even if it's sins of omission, things that we aren't doing. That if living this Christian life always feels easy, then more than likely there's a temptation that we're not fighting against, that we're giving into, that there's something that we're not struggling. And there's different levels of that. You know, obviously the the drug addict is going to have a harder struggle with drugs than than maybe someone in here might would. You know, the the alcoholics, those that that are drawn to sexual sins, like they're going to have harder struggles than other people. But the most subtle, the most subtle temptations are still the most destructive. You know, those subtle things from within us, even if it's pride within us, even if it's just this idea like, like we talked about earlier of not totally giving ourselves over to the Lord, just dabbling in the sea of what he has for us and never and being afraid to float out in it, to dive, to swim into what he has for us. And so within all that, as we're calling out to God to be led, 
we have to understand that Christ being the only one to ever be tempted and to never give himself over to it is our only escape. He's our only true strength in the fight against temptation. Because Jesus faced temptation and withstood it. Jesus lived a sinful life not to show us that, we'll, uh, that, that we're a failure because we'll never be like him, but to show us because we'll never be like him, he's offered us a way to trust in him to make up for where we fail. You know, this is where our responsibility to follow him, to depend on him, to understand him, this is where it meets his goodness and his work within us that, and that we would, you know, us who honestly seeks and has assurance of forgiveness for past sins that we will strive to avoid it, that we will make a conscious effort not to put ourselves in places where we have that control, you know, that we would not enter into this space where we know that we're liable to fail. You know, uh, too often, you know, I, as it, when I was doing youth ministry and I would have conversations with youth and, and young men and young ladies who were falling to the same sins over and over and over again, as you have conversations, you ask them, well, where have you been? What have you done? And they're putting themselves in those same spaces, in those same places that bring them to this point where they have a millisecond to make a decision. And all of us who have fallen to some type of sin, we know that once we've turned over in our mind that we're going to, going to do something, it becomes much harder to backtrack. It becomes much harder to pull ourselves out of that moment. And so what, what, you know, in the Bible constantly gives us this thought, you know, when, when Paul is telling Timothy, he's teaching Timothy about sin, he says, flee sin, flee it. Don't even allow yourself to be near it. You know, it talk, when he talks about plucking out our eye, cutting off our hand, like taking these measures to pull ourselves out of this space of temptation, pull ourselves out of this place, you know, and, and, and I feel like when we say the word temptation, sometimes it can feel very distant from us because we feel like, well, I don't really struggle with anything that I would consider bad. Well, then I think we need to remind ourselves, well, who dictates what is bad? You know, I mean, the Bible tells Jesus teaches that to hate your neighbor is, is basically murder. You know, it says to look on a woman with lust is basically adultery. You know, so we try to make things, these levels of bad and good that some, obviously some are worse than others because they affect other people worse than others. But as far as what they do between us and God, every sin to the smallest, even sins of omission, even sins of things that we aren't doing, we're not giving God the praise and glory he deserves. We're not allowing him, uh, you know, the room in our lives to work in the way that he should. You know, we're, we're being angry, we're being, uh, we're, we're, we're gossiping, you know, we're being lazy, we're being complacent. You know, the, the, there are smaller things that maybe we aren't doing that we're having to make these decisions about that are temptations from the enemy. And so not only is it being led, church, but the last thing that we see is that it's about being delivered. Remember, and we said that there is an already but not yet with this idea of delivery. That as a believer, when we have put our faith in Jesus, the Bible says, as we'll read next week in Hebrews, that his atonement was once and for all. That there is, he does not need to die again. That the body does not need to be broken again. That the body does not need to be poured out again. That it's already been done. And that it has sealed us for eternity. So that has already happened, but there is a not yet because we still live in a sinful world that me, that you, we will fall short and, and our falling short will affect people around us. And so you and I will also be affected by the sins of other people and their temptations that they, they fall to. 
And so there is deliverance that happens now. And this word deliverance in some translations is, is, uh, is translated as rescue. And so there is a rescue that has happened, and there is a constant rescuing that is happening every moment of every day that we live. And so Jesus is telling them, he says, you need to be in a place where you are praying, deliver us from temptation. You know, lead us from temptation and deliver us from evil. Or some translations would say the evil one. Deliver us. Rescue us. Not only have you rescued us, but continue to rescue us. Lord, continue to draw me away from the enemy. Continue, continue to bring me away and rescue me from his deception. Continue to draw him away from me and draw me away from him so that I can walk and live in you. And, and, and we, we de- depend on God to do this. 2 Timothy 4.18 said, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish, establish you and guard you against the evil one. We find this protection. We find this rescue in the Lord. And then Jude one twenty four he says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. You know, so this is where we depend on God. We come to God. We, we follow after him. We seek after him. Remember, we are imperfect people seeking a perfect God. And we say all the time, it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. That we would be constantly drawing near to the Lord. We would be constantly seeking after him. Because there is this sense of responsibility in our deliverance that we play. Charles Spurgeon said this best. He says, the man who prays, lead us not into temptation, and then goes into it is a liar before God. Lead us not into temptation is shameful profanity when it comes from the lips of men who resort to places of amusement whose moral tone is bad. When we are not making conscious decisions to step away from tempting spaces, and, and, and we, are, we are fighting against our own deliverance when we continue to step into places that tempt us. And God is the great deliverer. God is the great rescuer, and he wants to do those things for us. But remember, and, and, and I love, Brother Garen always says this, but God is also the perfect gentleman. And that God's not going to grab us by the collar and pull us any place we don't want to be. God's not going to yank us into places and spaces where we have no desire to be. But God wants to do that because we serve that kind of God. And that even in the midst of our temptation, I love how Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, that even in the midst of our temptation, that he has given us a way out. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That he has given us that way. That he has provided us an escape hatch. He's given us a way through Jesus Christ to fight against our temptation. To not give. And I love how he says that. That he says that there is no temptation that is overtaking you that is not common to man. That I know for me, I'll admit this morning that there have been temptation and sins that I have lived in. And that I have, that I have just continued to tell myself, I am a victim of this. I will never get over this. I will never overcome this. This will constantly be a part of my life. And you know what? There are some things in my life this morning, I'll be honest with you, that, that, that are 
are, but then there are some things that are so far from me that I thank God that I stopped being victim to those things, that I stopped saying, well, this is just how it is, and I'll just always be in this. No, that does not have to be the case. Yes, will there be things in our life, these thorns in our side, that will constantly poke at us and pull at us and prod at us? Yes, but that's why we, we, we pray daily, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We constantly have to be praying this prayer every day because every day is new. His mercies are new every day. His graces are new every day. And they have to be new every day because the enemy's tactics are new every day. He's going to find that point in our life to poke and prod at us. He's going to find that place at which he knows that we'll stumble. He wants to find that place that he knows that we'll doubt. He wants to find that place where he knows we'll turn against our brother or sister. He wants to find that place in the midst of a husband and wife relationship that he knows he can draw them away to something else that he thinks is greener pastures. This is what the enemy wants to do in our lives, and God calls us. Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9, Be sober-minded, be watchful, because your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And then he says, giving us the challenge, resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. We are not alone in our struggles. Romans 13, 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Church, that we would be choosing, choosing every day, first off, to pray to God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But then in the midst of that, truly be being led, allow ourselves to be led and to rest in his deliverance, rest in that rescuing, allow that to be the motivating factor for our life as we step out day after day after day. He invites us. He invites us to do the prep, and he does the delivering. There is a responsibility at which we stand for, and this is not me saying that there's any good work or any decision that we make that makes our sin uh, forgiven, that gets us any closer to God. That is absolutely not what I'm saying. That as a believer, we are sealed in our eternity. We are sealed. We have saving faith in Christ. But if we, we, we rob ourselves of the experience of his goodness, if we're not taking active steps in following his leading and resting in his deliverance, because we'll continue to be smothered under the weight of the slavery of whatever temptation or sin that is. And so why does this matter for us this morning? Because like I said, to experience and to influence the way God has created us for, we must commit to his leading and rest in his rescuing. And so how do we do it this morning? I just want us to give, give you four things, four quick things that we can step into this week and to do to begin resting in his leading, depending and following his leading and resting in his deliverance and his rescue. The first thing that we can do is consistently pray for deliverance, that we would acknowledge where we fall short, that we would acknowledge our sin, that we would acknowledge that we need help that we need help, we would pray for deliverance. You know, the, and, and, and understand that the attacks, the attacks won't stop. Whether you're 10 years a Christian or 10 minutes a Christian, the enemy is looking for weakness to exploit. The enemy is looking and finding paths to lead you down. And so our consistent prayer should be, God, lead us not into temptation and deliver us. Lead us and deliver us. The second thing is recognize our weakness. Honestly acknowledge that spot in our lives that draw us to sin. Maybe it's incidental, maybe it's an incidental sin. 
Maybe it is a habitual sin. Maybe it is a, a sin of omission, a sin of something that we're just not doing, that we would acknowledge, God, I am doing these things. I am putting myself in this point that is drawing me to temptation and falling, and falling uh, because of the in, internal desires I have. Or, I, God, I'm not doing these things that I know I should be doing. God, forgive me, you know, acknowledging those places. This, this weak spot that gives in, drawing us from experiencing the full extent of God's goodness and deceiving us into grasping for lesser things. We are not, church, we are not meant to face the enemy alone. So the third thing is to understand that we are not alone. That God has not only given us the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, giving us strength, giving us direction, giving us influence, uh, you know, influencing, influencing us where we should go and what we should do. But we are not meant to face the enemy alone. And not only do we have the Lord on our side or the influence of God through the Holy Spirit, but church, we have each other. You know, and we have got to be a church of people that makes it okay for people to not be okay. We have got to be a church of people that allows people to be honest about their struggles so that in the midst of their struggles, we can hear their struggles, step alongside them in their struggles and begin to pray with them, begin to pray for them, begin to be that person that they can maybe find some accountability, you know, and, and to be able to be able to be reminded in a physical context that we are not alone, that I can look, that I can look at Garen and that I can say, he knows me. He knows where I struggle. And that if he sees me drifting, if he sees me being led by anything else, he can say, hey, let's, let's, let's go back gently in love and in concern rebuke. You know, that's what we're here for. That's the beauty of the local church. Yeah, I'm so thankful for the online. I'm so thankful that we have podcasts. I'm so thankful that we have all these things we can do from a distance. But nothing replaces the gathering of God's people, being able to acknowledge each other and being able to bear burdens together, to be able to pray for each other, to be able to acknowledge where we fall short and where we sin. And church, if we ever become a place that it is, it is not okay to not be okay, then we might as well shut our doors because we're not doing the work that God's called us to do. We have got to be a place where sinners can come. We have got to be a place where broken people or people that have misunderstandings or people that are making bad choices can come and hear about the gospel of Jesus, about the Son of God who came down from heaven and died for their sin, for their weaknesses, for their insecurities, for the place where they are at. We have got to be a place that is welcoming people like that to hear the goodness of God's story because he tells us that they grow in faith because they understand the kindness of God's patience and his perseverance for them and his faithfulness for them. They've got to hear that. And they've got to hear it from more than just some video that we stream online. They've got to hear it from more than just a podcast. They've got to hear it because they see it lived out in each and every one of God's people's lives. They've got to see it that way. And the fourth thing, church, is this, that we would commit to God's word. You know, and this is such a passion of, of ours as, as me and Garen preach and, 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 you know, in our leadership. Like everything we do, we want to be just based around God's word, understanding that there is no English translation of God's word that is perfect, but God's word and the communication in and of itself is perfect, that there is no contradiction, that everything it tells us is exactly what God wants us to know, and that everything we need for life and godliness is in God's word, and we find it here, and so we have to be drawing ourselves into God's word in whatever way that is, and I'm thankful, so thankful that there are so many 
ways at which we can learn from God's Word. You know, there are so many ways at which we can be led, guided, and directed through God's Word. You know, getting reading plans, getting study materials, reading books. You know, there's all these things that help us navigate God's Word. And in the preaching of God's Word, hopefully, you know, if God would allow us, that we would be able to gather together and do small groups. You know, all these things can help us grow closer and closer to God's Word to be able to uh, follow His leading and rest in His deliverance. Psalm 119, verse 11, he says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's the storage of God's word. It's the, the, the holding on to, the grasping on to the influence of God's word and the truths of his promises that keeps us from falling into that temptation, from falling into that temptation so that we can step into experiences as trials from God so that in the pleasure we can acknowledge God and tell him how thankful we are for him. In the pain, we can say that we trust him rather than finding ourselves in a temptation where in the pleasure we idolize the pleasure and we don't give God thanks for that and not acknowledging that he's a good giver and that in the pain we curse God and believe that he's forgotten us and he's left us behind. God is leading us away from those temptations, and he's delivering us from the work of the enemy church, and that is what he wants to do and is doing in our lives daily. I pray, I pray that we would be consistently praying for deliverance, recognizing our weakness, understanding we are not alone, and committing ourselves to God's word, committing ourselves to God's word. So church, if we could, could we bow our heads this morning as we wrap up? And I just want to ask you that as we think on these words, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That we would acknowledge just being very honest with ourselves. You know, as big as it may seem in our mind or as little as it may seem in our mind, this place of temptation that affects us daily, that maybe is drawing at us now, that maybe is pulling at us pulling us away from our focus on the Lord, pulling us away from allowing ourselves to be honest, that we would acknowledge and that we would begin daily in some way, shape, or form, pray the prayer of lead me not into that space, God. Lord, take the reins from me. God, you be in control. God, you show me the path of righteousness. God, you lead me to where you want me to be. God, I relinquish control. And I understand that deliverance from the evil one comes from you. God, that I can't rescue myself, that only you can rescue me. Father God, let me trust in that. God, let me believe in that good work, a work that only you can do. Father God, I just pray for our church this morning. God, I pray that we would have the courage and confidence to respond in the way that we should. God, whether it's to drop to our knees and pray, this morning, God, whether it's to worship you and praise you, God, whether it's to get someone else on board with our life, God, asking, inviting them in to be praying with us and for us in some capacity. God, we know that your words don't return void, so Father God, I just pray, God, for my own life, God, I acknowledge before you, holy God, when my temptations to fall, God, my selfishness, my pride, Father God, and I pray for us as a church that we could lay before you, God, acknowledging where we're broken. God, and be an example to people around us. That you are a gracious God. That you are a good God. 
Father God, I, I just pray. Lord, I pray that we would not give, Lord, any provision to the flesh. Lord, and that we would just rest in you and what you have for us. God, draw us away from the tempting spaces in our lives. God, allow us to rest in the deliverance that you have for us. God, let us see the good work that you want to do in the midst of our sin. God, forgive us where we've fallen short. God, I pray that our lifestyle would be that of repentance, that even in our sin and our selfishness, God, that we would be turning from it, God, leaving it behind. God, and when it finds itself back to our faces, God, that we would continue to fight it. God, but not in our own strength, but in yours. God, let our daily prayer be, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, we love you. God, we thank you and we praise you. We just ask in your holy name that you continue to do a work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, and I pray that... Uh, that